This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. What's it like, you know, where you were, you were really successful at Jones County, and then boom, I mean, you... Really, you stepped into um, probably the biggest program from a from a known standpoint in the state of Georgia, and maybe what Georgia has going on nationally. And then you know you had Rush Probst there. I mean, and then you step into that beast. How was that? Yeah. I was thinking about you, like, man, this is intimidating for me, and I wasn't even you. It was an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, obviously, I didn't – it was one of those things where people had, had reached out to me about applying to come down here, and I said, ah, man, I, I ain't going to apply to that, you know. They, they've got their, their plans for somebody else. And it it, it kind of, again, where, where God opens and closes doors. And so it just kept going and kept going, and I kept having people hit me up. And so finally, reluctantly, I did apply. Yeah. And, um, and so then I get the phone call to interview and then get the phone call that they uh, – you know, they offered me the job, and so now it's time to make a decision. What are you going to do? And so you're right. It was it was very much intimidating, and uh, it was very much uh, a decision, you know, like, wow, because yeah, we were comfortable at Jones. It was We loved it there. We loved the people there, the administration, our boys. I mean, we were not looking to leave, but like you said, you know, Calkin County was the, was the marquee job in this state and one of the best jobs in the nation. You know, it's not the best job in the state. And so – I wanted to be able to look my kids in the eye, my personal kids, you know, my daughter my, and my son and my young baby daughter, and uh, be able to tell them, you know, hey, you know, dad chased his dream. You know, dad went after things that were great and were going to be difficult, but this is what I said I want to do is coach football and, 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 and love high school football. I, wanna, I do not want to go to college. This is what I want to do. And I want to go try to do it at the highest level following a situation that's going to be difficult. And so we got down here and, um, and you're right. It was, there were some situations we had to go through year one that were unbelievably unique, you know, being, you know, coming in unprecedented success. I mean, let's just say that first off call carry out the 10 year run that they had at the highest classification. Oh my God. You know, I kind of like the success you're having, you know, like, Oh my gosh, just unprecedented success and so you're following that and then coming in here it was a lot of unique situations but it was great for me to learn from to adjust to it was great for me personally with my faith to be able to rely on and our kids i cannot i cannot say enough about the young men here and uh just how encouraging they are in a breath of fresh air like everybody talks about how kids have changed and Boy, these kids today, and and, and and it's not true. Our society's changed. Right, uh, teenagers are still teenagers. I mean, they hadn't changed at all, and then they'll respond to adversity in a healthy way if given the opportunity and, and guidance. And and that's what our young men did here. And so, uh, so it was it was definitely a uh, a unique situation to walk into. It still is. I mean, still got a, a lot of a lot of things that arise. That you can't, there ain't no manual for, man. There ain't no book. There ain't no, you know, everybody's looking at offensive systems and defensive systems. And, and you know, like, I don't, there's no system to be a head coach. Each each town, <laughs> each community, each demand is, is unique in its own. 
And so you're kind of writing that manual as you go, as you see things. No doubt. And coach, as you took the job, you know, I had heard a lot about you and a lot of people told me what a great guy you were. And so I kind of just kind of kept track of you guys during the season, hoping, that you, you know, you were successful and you did a great job. But uh, so I watched your first game because it was on TV and, um, and that's what really what made me want to reach out to you because after the game, you guys won. And just me watching you as a coach, it just seemed like 5,000 pounds came off your shoulder because you needed to get that win to, to get everybody understanding that, hey, we're doing it the right way. We can be successful here. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? That was a huge relief starting out that first game. I mean, you, you get here. We got hired April 6th. I started my first day, April 16th. And so you got to put a staff together, get spring ball together. We got through the summer. And, and so now here you are at the Corky Kill, started off against an unbelievable team in North Grenette and Bill Stewart. And, uh, and you're right. We, we recognize the, the focus on that. Like we needed that win to get started. Now I'm going to tell you another backstory on this. That a lot of people don't know. I get to the, get to the game. All right. So I've got to do an interview at halftime before the game before, right? Right. So I, I get to the game. We went up and we stayed in the hotel the night before. And so I get to the site that morning and get ready to do my interview. And one of my coaches calls me. Biggest game of my life at this point. You know, first game at Concord, really trying to prove something. I'm like, hello, what's going on? Coach, I got some bad news. I said, what's that? <laughs> we forgot the base to the headsets. Oh, good. We have no, we have no headsets. <laughs> so I'm like, what? You got to be kidding me. The biggest game. Right. And I got no headsets to start this thing. So we started off with a bang, man. So we were able to, luckily, we were able to borrow some headsets from the uh, from Walton. And so we, we used those and was able to make it work just to kind of have a communication system that game. So see, people don't even realize all that that went on before that. So right. so you're right, man. You're talking about a huge relief and, and everything once it was over with and so happy for our kids and, and our coaches to kind of – because we, we desperately needed – a good start so we can build some momentum. Absolutely. So coach, you know, we're talking about you at Colquitt County right now. I you know one of the most high profile jobs in the state of Georgia. Talk about a little bit how you got into coaching and kind of your road to Colquitt County. And I might not, yeah. even, I, you might have to correct me on how I say Colquitt or Colquitt or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Colquitt County, man. Colquitt County. But yeah, it, uh, I grew up in Greenville, Alabama. Uh, I actually grew up on a farm there with my, my mom and dad. And I uh, kind of knew my junior year and senior year of high school that I, you know, I wanted to get into coaching. And um, and this is what I wanted to do. I was not gifted as the greatest athlete by no means of separation. I was at a high school that had a lot of success. Uh, but that, that was not the gift God gave me. And uh, so I went on to Choice State, graduated with a PE degree, uh, and knew I wanted to get into coaching. And in fact, it's a funny story. I really wanted to be a ba- I wanted to be a assistant football coach and a head basketball coach. Wow. That was kind of my, my dream. That's what I wanted. And so I started off at Harris County High School, uh, over just outside of Columbus, Georgia. And uh, I was coaching football, coaching basketball. A um, couple years in, I, I worked up to be the head girls basketball coach. Like a year later, I was the head boys basketball coach. And uh, still coaching, I, I, you know, coach receivers, coach running backs, and then I was coaching quarterbacks at the time. 
and, and was the head boys basketball coach and then was enjoying it. And then had an opportunity in 2010, I got offered to go to Griffin. And so I go to Griffin in 2010 as the quarterback coach there and the head people, I was the head boys basketball coach at Griffin in 2010. Wow. Didn't know that. And, and, yeah. And so love basketball still to this day, going to the basketball game tonight here and uh, enjoy watching basketball. But it's, it's, it's kind of then in, in 2008, nine and 10 is when I really realized that football, I mean, basketball was starting to become, I was clocking in and clocking out. Yeah. You know, it felt like a job. And you know, coaching cannot feel that way. Right. You know, I tell people all the time, I, I go fishing every day. You know, I go golfing. Whatever your hobby is that you enjoy to do, I do it every day because I enjoy coaching. I enjoy being around young people. I enjoy being around football. And basketball was turning into a little bit of a, of a cock in, cock out, and I knew I needed to get out. And so I stepped away from basketball after that 10 season. And uh, that was when they named me the offensive coordinator at Griffin there starting in the 11th season. And uh, I kind of just focused on football from that point on. And so now I have one love and, and focus wholeheartedly on football. And, and God blessed us in 13 to be able to uh, win a state title there at Griffin. We had some really good players. I had an unbelievable head coach in Steve Dvorsny. Uh, I owe him so much. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, he, he took a chance on me to be the OC when I didn't deserve a chance and would have been very much happy with not getting a chance. You know, I was content coaching quarterbacks for him and our OC left in 10 and, and he took a gamble on me that, that I didn't, I know I did not deserve. And uh, I, I'm indebted to him and I owe him. And that's why I would tell a lot of young coaches is, is if you will just serve and work and, and put in the time, people are noticing and, and people will give you opportunities. You don't have to go chase this next chance. And, and sometimes don't be in a rush uh, because you can damage yourself. And so I was faithful and working and, and God gave me an opportunity to Devo we had success. And so after that year, I did look at some chances. And so Jones County popped open and, and I'd played Jones County when I was at Harris a couple of years, we'd played them at Griffin a couple of years and they were always just a hard nosed football team. And they were a smash mouth team with, with that. I always had good speed and I just felt like it'd be a good, good fit for a first job. And, and I, and I owe a lot to, to Chuck Gibson and Barry Veal, the principal and AD there, Chuck's now the superintendent and, and they took it again, took a chance on a guy that I probably didn't deserve. And, uh, and they gave me an opportunity to be the head coach there. And, um, and we were blessed with some good players and some great coaches and, and had good success there for, for a team, for a school that really was not a football school then, but, but I owe a lot to the administration and the fact that they wanted to be a football school. And uh, they did a lot of things to help us to, to close that gap. And, uh, again, I'm at a place now, again, Colquitt. Um, again, I didn't really chase it. I kind of kind of kind of happened and um again god is just blessed for an opportunity that i didn't deserve and uh and i've got it and i'm so thankful for it and that's kind of my life story to how i got here and, it, and i tell people that if you're faithful and you serve and you work and, and you know it's the old leadership just do the best you can in the job you have and opportunities will arise you know you they they come and then I've just been blessed by a lot of doors that were closed that I thought I might want that, that God shut that door and didn't allow me to get. And uh, I've been unbelievably blessed with the doors that he has opened. Absolutely. 
Coach, talk about, you know, you're a quarterback guy, but, you know, now we learn you're a basketball guy. Talk about how that may be some of that. I'm, I'm sure that your basketball background kind of shapes your offensive philosophy a little bit in what you do. But talk about some of the – talk about your offense that you like to run and some things that are important to you offensively to have success. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's, that's – you know, you talk about – you know, I've, I've been labeled as a, a quarterback, quarterback guy and an RPO guy – you know, and, and which is accurate. Most of those are accurate. I, I enjoy coaching quarterbacks and, and enjoy the RPO games, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But uh, you're right. The basketball background has a lot to do with it because I like the uh, like a point guard in basketball where you, where you have that peripheral vision and you're seeing the court and you're spreading and spacing. And, and that's so much of what pass game and RPOs is, you know, to where you're not laser-like focused on someone. You're kind of broadening your eyes and seeing the whole scope. And so a lot of that, you know, even you know, now you read it all the time, you know, basketball on grass, you know, and people talk about it. So I do think, you know, me, me doing basketball for as long as I did and, and enjoyed it has helped me in football, uh, especially with those young men that, that play both sports. Um, offensively, we want to be uh, up-tempo, obviously. Everybody is nowadays, you know, and we want to vary our tempos there. We're going to play with a lot of personnel groupings. I do not want to be in 10 personnel all night long. I want to, and now with these odd defenses, you have to change personnel groupings a lot more. Right. Um, and so we, we'll do that. Um, when I was at Harris, we were primarily a triple option team. In fact, I even coached in the two tight double wing one time for a whole year. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast all to itself. <laughs> um, but we were a triple option team running inside beer, midline and outside beer. And so, RPO is nothing more than that same stuff. It's same triple option. We'll just, you know, extending the dive with a throw, you know, and, and so now if you pull it, you're going to a throw instead of a run and pitch out phase. And so I think all those years helped me. And yeah. so we're going to RPO something or quarterback read something on every play. Um, I believe playing 11 on 11, you know, so if it's not a true drop back pass, if it's a run, we're going to have some kind of quarterback design run with it or either some kind of you know, run pass option to where we're trying to conflict the defense and create some, some shade of doubt uh, in there. I do believe in appearing complex, but in reality being simple. Um, you know, you got to be simple. Life is really not that hard. It, I tell my kids all the time, it's not hard to, you know, how to be successful in life is not hard. What's hard is doing it every day. Right. Now, I, that's the hard part. Doing the simple, mundane, ordinary stuff every day, that's the hard part. And so it's no different than football. Being successful, you know, it's blocking and tackling and execution. It's not some fancy gimmick play. Um, I often say play calling's overrated, execution's underrated. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to be simple and execute at a high level, and 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 the only way you can do that is be simple. So when um. So one thing that's interesting to me, to me about you is you became a head coach, you said there, in 2011. And, you know, or two, was it 2010? No, I was, I was the OC in 11. I started OC in 11. We won in 13. And then I, my first year as the head coach was at Jones County, 13-14 uh, school year. All right, so you're the head coach. And now, I mean, you're, you're the head coach at Colquitt County. Colquitt County, sorry. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> what? How? So, so as a head coach, one thing it took me a long time to learn was, all right, I need to have an offensive philosophy, but, I, you know, I'm not going to run the defense, but I need to believe in what we're doing defensively. How, do, how does that work for you as a head coach? Yeah, I, that's a great point because, I mean, that was the biggest struggle I had at Jones, you know, when I took that job at Jones, yeah, because you're right, you know, I've been an offensive guy my whole life. I've I've, you know, coordinated offenses, and I'm still to this day my own offensive coordinator and play caller. Um, I've, I've called every play I've ever ran, uh, head coach and beyond. So having to have that defensive mindset and structure. One thing I wanted to make sure I did at Jones is understand that I didn't get the job because of my defensive expertise. Right. So don't sit there and try to micromanage. Hire a guy you trust, and then insert my philosophy. Now, what is my philosophy? It's what gave me fits as an offensive coordinator. Right. Bend, don't break, and don't give up the big plays. Be gap sound. Again, getting back to being so, you know, you probably know the same thing. Those defenses that are simple but sound, and their guys can execute it and make you just get two and three and four or five yards and just snap it one more time, snap it one more, no explosive plays. Those are frustrating defenses because you're having to you know, you're, you're having to execute 10-play drives, 11-play drives to score because they're making you continue to snap it instead of just getting a big chunk yard all at once. And so I'm big on that. That's that's our philosophy on defense is we're going to keep that ball in front. We're going to frustrate you. We're going to we're we're going to be very calculated with our risk. All right. So that way we're going to make you snap it one more time because there's a holding call, there's a miscue, there's a drop pass, something that's going to get you off schedule because it's hard to consistently go ten and thirteen play drives that end in points. And coach, not only now I'm going to talk. You, you uh, I agree with everything you just said. Um, and I think like it's evident when you watch the game at the highest level. Ohio State didn't beat, didn't lose to Clemson because they didn't have better players. They lost to Clemson because they couldn't score in the red zone. I think that's another thing about defense is the explosive play. When you give up the explosive play, it's seven points. But when you make them earn every single inch, they get there in the red zone and they bog down. And instead of getting seven, they get three. And now you have a chance. So here's a question, because I'm an offensive guy too, and I have the same philosophy from a defensive standpoint. Why do you think coaches are over-aggressive on defense? Because they try to create stuff. Again, it goes back to not wanting to be because it ain't sexy. To, to not be simple. Right. You know, I want, I want to put this blizzard. I want to create something. I want to, you know, I did that instead of simply just lining up and playing football. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Cause I mean, ain't no doubt. I always have a saying stats are for losers. You know, you want to go out there and look how many yards we got and all this, how many first downs we got and all this, how many points you get. That's the only stat that matters. <laughs> No doubt. I mean, you know, you, you can go in there and you can make statistics say whatever you want to make it say. But at the end of the day, it's winning or losing. If I, I can give up however many yards I want to pass and run as long as I keep you out of the end zone. <laughs> no question. Coach, talk about – so you got, you got the offense, you got the defense. Well, obviously special teams is a big part of football. 
And I think the fan just kind of watches special teams and thinks it's just kind of thrown out there. But there's a lot of time spent in that, and it's something that coaches are scared to death of. How? What's your philosophy from a special team standpoint, and how do you practice it during the week? Yeah, I'll say this. We've got to get better at special teams here. Uh, we, we, we didn't have as great a year as we would like to have had special teams this year here. Um, and so we recognize that's going to be better. Um, you know, kickoffs, you know, it, they're all slightly different. I and mean, you're right. You better pay attention to it, especially, you know, where I'm at now, even more so than ever. Because in, in the schedule that we're playing with the quality of teams that we're playing, those hidden yardage and special teams is making all the difference. Yeah. Uh, because you, you're having very equally um, talented teams. Both staffs are very well coached. I mean, you just don't play people that aren't well coached. Yeah. And so special teams can make or break you down here. And um, and so we recognize we've got to be better on that and continue to improve. Kickoff, you know, obviously if we can kick in the end zone, that'd be phenomenal. We wound up, we were doing good, and then our kicker got hurt, and we struggled from that point on. And if that's the case, we've got to go more directional kicking and try to only have to defend two-thirds of the field. You know, try to try to cut it with the high school hash. You can, you can almost take a third of the field out if you can get this thing in the boundary. And so really make them have to, to condense where they can return that kickoff at is something that, uh, that we really have to do a better job of there. Punt, I, I believe in attacking. Uh, I will say that I'm, I'm more of an attacking guy on that, of uh, attacking punts instead of setting up punt returns. High school punters just spray it around so much. Yeah. It's, it's hard to it's hard to set up returns all the time because man they're spraying that ball all over the place and short and long and and so we we're, we're gonna try to buzz the tower you know on that uh, as much as we can buzz the tower there but you know we're gonna start off every day you know working our our specialty period of doing our, our you know, just good old punting, catching, kicking, blocking, you know, working on punt blocks. And then we'll do individual stuff. We actually have indie periods for special teams, and we do it year-round. Uh, and so it's it's in our off-season model. It's in our uh, summers, uh, and it's in our uh, season, all the way doing the indie stuff. And then we mix in special teams throughout our practices, you know, uh, in between a group and in between teams to go out there and get the work in at it. But you're – you're, we've got to get better here of executing our plan of what we had because we did not do a good job there. But uh, special teams are so important, especially when it's two good football teams. When you've got two really good football teams playing, that stuff makes a unreal difference. Absolutely. Coach, what are, you know, three to five things – that has helped you be successful, just like your core DNA. Like when we were, we were listening to the, the Panthers coach, the new Panthers coach, Matt Rule talk, you know, you could just tell like he oozes toughness and he's going to coach that every single day. What about you? How have you had the success that you have? What are some core just tenets of you as a coach that you kind of built your um, programs on? I think the biggest thing with me is, is, is number one is, is culture. Um, I, I, I'm a 
believer in that. And I know that's the golly, that's the biggest buzzword out there now. You know, is culture. Everybody talks about it, but it's something we started really investing in in our leadership program and our council that we have, our character education. All the way back in 2011, I started that. Uh, and doing that at Griffin with our leadership councils and things like that. And, and my biggest thing is that is developing the person. I just believe in it, man. I just, I so much believe in that. Developing the person, getting them to understand ownership of their dreams, ownership of their goals in their life, and how their choices are affecting that. And so, and so many times, I remember, tell you a quick story what got me on this. And it, again, this was all the way back in 2010. I was going to a glacier clinic and I was going to sit down and I wanted to go talk, listen to this guy talk about uh, quick game passing or drop back passing. It was something like that. But he didn't speak until the second session of the morning, okay? So the first session, they had this guy talking about leadership. His name was Dennis Parker. And uh, I said, okay, I'm going to go sit in on this guy. And so I sat in on his first session, and I never left. I stayed there the entire time, just skipped the other passing stuff. And uh, he had a book out called Coaching to Change Lives at the time. I bought the book. Listen to him, and he made a statement early on that was great, is at the end of the year, when the season's over with and they interview you and, and you didn't win the state title, and they ask you, Coach, why come you didn't go further? How come you didn't have a great season? I doubt any of you are going to say if we'd have just power cleaned more, we We'd have won. If right. we'd have just squatted more, we'd have won. But what everyone's gonna say is if we just had better leaders. Hmm. Man, we lacked leadership. And man, that hit me right between the eyes. Now, obviously we both know power clean squad, man, working out is so good, but we focus so much on that, and it's almost like you talked about while well, I go with special teams. We focus so much on offense and defense that we miss special teams. Well, I think we do the same thing in the offseason. We focus so much on developing our speed and getting bigger and getting stronger, but we forget to develop the person. Yeah. And so I I constantly say to, to our staff is that we must teach leadership, not preach leadership. All right. Because that's a skill, you know, and like Matt Rule talked about toughness, toughness is a skill. You can develop that. Okay, and so it's not something that people are inherently born with and and no different than leadership. You know, leadership, toughness, competition, discipline, those are the things I think are all skills. Because, again, discipline and punishment is is being disciplined in your choices that you make. And so I think you can develop those skills, but you have to be intentional and you have to have a plan – from January to August to how you're going to do that. How are you going to teach these skills and not just preach? No different than a father with a, with a, with a kid. And so I, I would say that's, that's the one thing. I love doing that. Man, that's like one of my favorite things. Offense and that, man, you hit my wheelhouse. Uh, I love developing men. I love the character part of it. I love investing in their lives and seeing the maturity that comes from a, uh, a 14-year-old freshman to now you watch him walk out the door as an 18-year-old young man uh, and how he's matured and, and caught on to some of our values and our standards. But culture can't be a buzzword, man. It's got to be a lifestyle. 
Well, that's true, Coach, because, like, one thing I was thinking about as you were talking, and it kind of gets on my nerves. I see parents do it. I see myself do it. I see other people do it, teachers, coaches, whatever it may be. But you tell somebody to do something, and then you get mad when they don't do it. But a coach and a teacher, we've got to walk them through how to do it, make sure they do it, demand that they do it, and then hope over the course of time if we have the right leadership training, by the time they're seniors, they're walking out the door and they've owned all those things that we've demanded and taught them. No, no, no doubt. I, I tell uh, like my coaches to get frustrated with a freshman or even a sophomore for doing something stupid. And, and so they'll be like, man, coach, so-and-so did this. Man, coach, so-and-so wouldn't, didn't want to work out today. Coach, and they'll, oh yeah, you're, you're mad that a teenager acted like a teenager? <laughs> you know, yes. You know, like, you know, we kind of know going into it when we signed the dotted line, this is kind of what we got, you know, and it's, it's our, you know, with those two freshmen and sophomores, those teenagers, we're trying to, I mean, heck, I got problems with my own children. And so I'm, I'm always trying to raise and correct them. So I know I'm going to, you know, have issues to help with other people. And so, you know, we got to understand, like you said, we can't be a hypocrite. We got to want what we say. We got to, to live. You know, I also always have a saying, the problem with the standard is you're the standard. Right. So you got to live it. But, yeah, teenagers are going to do teenager-type things. Heck, I did when I was a teenager. I bet you did when you were a teenager. Yep. And it took people in our lives to show us why that was not a good thing why you don't need to continue in this path and how if you will change you can you know, receive better blessings and opportunities and so if you don't accept that as part of our role then you know you're missing you're missing out what you're doing you're missing out on a lot of really cool stuff that's going to happen in your life getting to see these young men grow up awesome stuff coach the last question I have for you is you know, and I think, you know, you already kind of told, told me a little, but, you know, when I say what is a big dream for you, well, you know, your big dream was the coach at the highest level in high school football. And I'm living it, man. I am living my dream. I, I, I tell people, man, I am so blessed. I am, I am living my dream. I'm at a, at a great school with that, that values education. They value the student growth. They value football. God, they love football here. Uh, we've got great facilities. We've got great young men. We've got a great town uh, that just has unbelievable value, and, and that was important to me. You know, I, you know, nothing wrong with everybody in Atlanta. Uh, everybody's different, and everybody likes different things. Uh, I like this, you know, out here in the South. I, I, I wanted to be out in a rural setting, and and we've got that that Southern charm and and all that here. So no, no, no. God's been so good. I've got an unbelievable wife that's so supportive, and Melissa, and and beautiful kids, and Sarah Coleman, and Cooper, and Janie K. Uh, yeah, I, I, God's been good to me. I'm living my dream, brother. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Coach. Hey, this was really fun. I really enjoyed talking with you. And, man, great stuff. I've been writing all the stuff you said down. Um, always in praying uh, for the coach, uh, for you, if you don't mind. Man, God, I would love that. Thank you very much. All right. 
Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for uh, Coach, and I just pray that you would continue to be with him and bless him, Lord. We praise and thank you for all that you've done in his life uh, to this point, Lord. And um, Lord, he's super positive, but Lord, we also know it was super challenging last year going into Cockwood County and, and 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 taking over that program. But Lord, you blessed him, and um, and Lord, he had great success. I just pray, Lord, you he would continue to do that. He would continue to live a life for your glory and your honor and represent Jesus Christ to his players, his town, his community, and the state in the country. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate Amen. it. Amen. Look what God has done. He redeemed us with his blood. We were lost and dead in sin. He came for us. Look what God has done, he adopted us in love, we were orphans without hope, now his children. Send 